When I want to uh, welcome you to this uh, message this time, especially those who are watching on television or listening on a CD or through an MP3 download, we want to welcome you to this message. It's the second in a series called uh, Foundational Principles, and this one's principle number two, and it's called Faith Towards God. So I'd love you to just join with us and open your heart and let God touch you as we uh, share the Word of God this morning. Well, we're going to just open up our Bible at uh, Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6. And uh, last week we looked at this uh, whole area of the foundational principles. We saw for any building you're going to build, you have to have a foundation. If the foundation's weak, the building will not be strong. And uh, so we read in Hebrews 6, verse 1. Now, leaving the discussion of the uh, foundational principles of Christ, let us go on to maturity or to the fullness of God's plan, not laying again the foundation of repentance of dead works, faith towards God, the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So Paul is talking, or the author is talking, about us going on in the purpose of God. Let us go on. But he also says it's impossible to do it if you haven't got a strong foundation built in your life. And so he said the result of not going on is people remain immature. They remain babies when God wants us actually to grow. So this as we just start this, I want to just first of all just give the bigger picture of what this is about. Uh, the Bible tells us Jesus came with a particular mission. He came to reveal what God is like. He came to reveal the Father and the heart of God as a Father. Throughout history, people had never known God as a Father that had various ideas about God, revelations of God, but this was the first time anyone had brought a message that God is Father, and we can be born again into His family, we can be joined into Him and have His life come into us, we can have a relationship with God as a loving Father. So the Bible says Jesus was the express image of the invisible God. He said to His disciples, if you've seen me... You have seen the Father. So if we want to see what God is like as a Father, it's all wrapped up in Jesus Christ and how He connected with people, how He loved people. And uh, in His day, He totally upturned the religious works of the day. So Jesus came to invite you and me into a similar relationship. In one part, He said that where I am, the relationship that I have with my Father, I want you to be there also. Now, just think about that for a moment. Right through Jesus' ministry, he said, I do the things that the Father is showing me to do. I do the things I see the Father doing. He said, the, the words I speak are what the Father has given me. When everyone was about to leave him, he said, I'm not alone. The Father is with me. Jesus lived his life out of an intimate love relationship with God as Father. And he said, now, I go in John 41, I go to prepare a place for you. So just before Jesus left the earth, he said, I'm going to prepare for you a place of relationship identical to mine, that where I am, the relationship I have, you can have that also. Now, people know the words of that, but seldom experience the reality of what it is to walk day by day feeling sensing the love of God as your Father, embracing you, encouraging you, valuing you, guiding you, revealing His love to you. And it's out of this source that we can have a secure life. 
If we don't, we saw last week that if we don't find our center in God, we'll find something else as a substitute. We'll find money, but money will never satisfy. We'll look for properties and possessions, but they never satisfy. We look for position and power, but they never satisfy. And people who seek those things are really seeking something that cannot be found there. Sometimes people seek to find fulfillment or these needs in their life through religion. Religion's just trying hard to gain acceptance with God and acceptance by people. It cannot change a person. In fact, it's just a heavy burden. And so Jesus made it very clear he's called us to come into relationship, not into doing lots of things, but into experiencing a love relationship with God out of which our life is transformed. That's what he offers. So these foundations are the foundations of that relationship. Notice it doesn't talk about prayer, doesn't talk about fasting, doesn't talk about Bible reading. It's talking about foundations in your belief system. The Bible says that what you believe in your heart, that's the way your life will go. So out of the abundance of your heart, that's where your life flows. Your life flows out of what you really believe. So if you come to church, but in your heart you still believe there's something desperately wrong with you, you will never enjoy intimacy with God. Because as soon as you try to become intimate with God, the message of your heart, there's something wrong with me, something not acceptable about me will come up, the shame of your past activities will come up, and there will be a wall between you and being intimate with God. And so the tendency is for church people is to try to work harder to be good enough to experience the love of God. And we cover over that we have no real relationship with God by just trying to do the right things. This is what Jesus did not call us to. Notice this, we're called not only to experience that, we're also experienced to grow. Now, in the Bible it talks about this. It says, in 1 John, it says, it talks about children while God has forgiven your sins. And it talks about spiritual young men. You're strong and the word of God abides in you and you've overcome the devil. That means they're in a place now. They've grown, matured. They're not having struggles with temptations. They've grown. And then he says, fathers, you know him who's from the beginning. So the Bible lays out stages or phases of growth. We could be a spiritual child. doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. You could be a spiritual child, childish, continually wrestling with failures, wrestling with shame, wrestling with guilt, wrestling with unforgiveness, wrestling with tormenting thoughts. That is child stuff. If you're a young man, then you've learned how to confront those with the Word of God. You've become established in who you are in God. You've become strong in the Word of God, strong in spirit. Now the devil's not a problem for you. You're not worried about attacks on the devil. You've actually learned how to recognize them and subdue them. Then you're called to grow from there to become a father. A father is one who knows what God is like as a father and is able to reveal that love to people. In such a way, their lives are attracted and they are blessed and benefit from it. Jesus was a spiritual father to the disciples. Why was he like that? Because he could reveal the love of God and the nature of God to them. So let's move on now. If we're going to grow to maturity, it's not going to be automatic. You have to lay foundations. And the first foundation we saw was repenting or turning from lifeless activities driven by guilt, 
fear, shame, desire to please, desire to impress, desire to be something. All of those kinds of things. And church is full of it. Society's full of people struggling with lifeless activities. When you get into uh, some situations, you'll notice how dead the atmosphere is. There's no life in it. People are being polite and correct, but you don't feel authentic love flowing. You feel there's something missing there. You go to some families, and they might be polite, and everything's nice together, but you feel there's no bondings of love. There's something missing in the middle of it. It is the love of God flowing. It's the life of the Spirit of God. So we're called to repent from dead works. In Hebrews 9, verse 14, it says, Now the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you. You need to be clean from dead works. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So you notice this. The first thing is God wants us to be cleaned up from all the dead, lifeless, barren activities, the frustrating things that never caused us to feel love or to establish or have an identity. And to instead connect with God and the overflow is such that now we're serving God Our life is an abundance of activity and vitality. It's not we just stop doing stuff. There's a change on the inside in the core motivation of why we're doing it. If we're not secure in who we are, that I am my father's child, I'm a child of God, I've come from God and I'm going to God, I have an eternity with him, I have a destiny on there. If we are not secure that we're loved by God, We will then do things to try and meet the insecurity. We will try to act or do things that cause us to feel good. So some people are very generous people. And they give and they give and they give and they do all kinds of things and all sorts of things. Where the Bible says if you do lots of things but don't have love, what profit is it all? It's actually driven out of a motivation to feel good about yourself. What God is wanting is to change us on the inside so we experience love and love flows naturally. When people are living in dead works, they tend to relate to people on the basis of, if you can help me get where I want to get, then you can be my friend. But say, oh, I see you're quite a wealthy person. Oh, you can help me get where I want, I'll be your friend. Uh, but you, well, uh, not you. No, no, you come from Flaxmere. And, uh, and, but, but this is the kind of thinking that goes on. You know that. You know that. Now, and so people, let's call partiality, where we divide the world up, people that can help us get somewhere, people that can't help us get anywhere. Now, that is full of dead works. What God is looking for is to so change us that His love and His nature flows out, and it's natural to love people. That's why one of the first things he does, and you'll see this in the progression of these, is after we become connected to God and experience his love, he wants us to put us in a family where we can be immersed in a family and learn how to grow up in love and learn how to represent him properly, which is the remainder of the teachings in this. Okay then, so God wants us to then serve him. But it's a serving that's a joy. It's not sort of something that's a burden. It's something joyful flows out because you're in love with him and you get up and you talk with him and you begin to experience his love and out of that there's an overflow in your life and so we're called to turn from dead works and turn instead and replace them with something called faith towards God 
We turn away from activities which are dependent on our own effort and energy, which tire you out, get you drained, frustrated, and we become like the older brother, resentful because we're not getting what we think we should get. A lot of people burn out. Burnout's because of a lot of dead works. Wrong motivations. But if we repent of those, and now we come into faith in the living God, our life will begin to flourish, and something flows out of it. It's called the life of the Holy Ghost. Now, let's have a look in Hebrews chapter 11. Let's see what faith is. A little bit about faith. Some of this, for some of you, will be elementary. But for others, it might be quite an eye-opener. So, faith. Verse chapter 11 and verse 1. Uh, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. For by it the elders obtained good testimony. By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So let me just outline a few simple things so we can understand faith. I need to know what is faith. How would I know if I had it? How do I get it? And can it be grown and developed? How could I grow and develop it? And so these are quite important things. And so the first thing is, faith is different to hope. Notice faith is the substance of something you hope for. Hope has to do with the future. So many people confuse faith and hope. Hope is about the future. Hope is something in my mind. It is thinking about and optimistic and expectant of something really good in the future. But faith is now. Faith is something I have now. It's a conviction and assurance I have so I know now it's present. So hope has to do with the future, faith with now. Many people confuse faith and hope. They say, I'm believing God for this. Actually, what they're doing is they're hoping God will do something. Faith, you know it. It's a conviction. So the second thing is, faith established in the heart, not the head. With the heart, man believes. So you can know lots of the Bible and have no faith at all. You can know many scripture verses, still have no faith, because all in the head. Faith is an issue of your heart. With the heart, you believe. Now, Let me tell you this. All of us believe some things. Every person here believes something. You believe something about yourself. Many things. You believe things about God. You believe things about people. You believe things about life. You possibly haven't stopped to evaluate what you really do believe. But your core beliefs are what moves you to live the life you live. Coming to church isn't what does it. It's actually what you believe in your heart. So if you believe in your heart because you were, uh, had painful experiences when you were younger, then I'm not of any value. Perhaps you grew up in a very strong controlling family and you were never, uh, your opinion or feelings or desires were never consulted and you established in your heart an angry, hurt, firm belief, well, nothing I do is ever good enough, uh, I'll never get anywhere, or no one really cares about me. Now those are three distinct beliefs. If those beliefs don't shift, what will happen is your life will run through those beliefs. It'll filter how you run your life. It'll bring into your life exactly what you believe is what you'll have. So faith has to be established in the heart. I must then reform my belief system to believe what God says is true. Most of the struggles you have as a younger believer is to shift your belief system and become established in what God says is true about you. God says you're accepted. 
but I don't feel accepted. Then you've got a struggle in your heart with your belief system. God says you're forgiven. I don't feel forgiven. You've got a struggle in your heart with your belief system. God says you're a child of his and he's near you all the time. I don't feel he's near you or me all the time. Well, then you've got a struggle in your belief system. So we live our life out of the beliefs we have in our heart. So faith is important to get established in our heart. Faith deals with the things which are not seen. So I don't see it, but nevertheless, says faith, the things which are not seen are very real. So for example, the love of God is very real. It's incredibly real. And when you experience love of God, it just touches your heart. You often begin to weep. You feel God loving you and you feel his presence. So it is real, but not seen. And it comes from the realm of the spirit into the natural realm by faith. So everything you and I will receive from God must have faith in it. I must believe what God says about this for it to manifest in my life. You may have grown up rejected and believe that you're uh, not acceptable to anyone. Well, faith will shift that and acceptance will be established in your heart. And then no matter what anyone does, you are secure You're not dependent on what people and circumstances are doing anymore. You are secure inside because faith, you have it now. People say, how do you know you're accepted? I know, I know, I know, I know. How do you know your sins of it? Oh, I know, I know. How could you possibly know? What's the evidence? The evidence is in here. I know it because it's come into my life as I believe what God said. And it brings liberty, brings tremendous liberty. And so faith. Faith needs to be established in our heart. So faith is also expressed through the words we speak in Romans 4 verse 17. God calls the things to be not as though they are. So faith comes into our heart. Faith comes. We hold the word of God because whatever you believe in your heart, you'll speak with your mouth. So when there's faith in our heart, we will confess what God says. We will speak what God says. God said to Abraham, Called him from, changed his name from Abram to Abraham, father of nations. So for years, Abraham was saying when they asked him, who are you? I am father of nations. I am father of nations. Excuse me, you don't have any kids. I am father of nations. Well, I don't know, like to put this out, but your wife's nearly a hundred years old. I am father of nations. And you're not looking too good yourself. I am father of nations. You understand, he he chose to believe God and he professed his faith and he did not stagger though his body and her body were old. And the result of holding in faith was a miracle took place and guess who's the father of nations? Abraham. But there was a walk of faith to establish it. The Bible says we walk not by sight, but we walk by faith. We don't walk by the things we see. We walk because we, by faith, can see what God has said is true and we hold on to it. We've got to see the healing in prayer before you'll experience the healing. You have to see what God has planned for you before you'll hear it, see it in life. So faith always reaches to what God says in the invisible realm and causes it to manifest now. Sometimes there's a delay between my knowing I have it and seeing it happen in life. So that's faith. So let's just talk about faith and relationship with God. Have a look down in verse 6. Now, without faith, 
It's impossible to please Him. Impossible. Impossible. If something is that important, I should make it my life study to know about faith. Why, is, why should I? Because without it, I can't please Him. Now, just coming to church doesn't mean you're in a place of faith. It means you came to church. Could mean you're in a place of faith. Could mean, like me, you just come to church. When I was a Catholic, I used to come to church. That's what you did Sundays. It wasn't a matter of faith. It was a matter of fear. I'd go to hell if I didn't. I had to come to church. Even when Joy took me to her church, I'd still go to church. I had this belief, I'll go to hell if I don't go to church. I'm going to church. But you understand, there's no life in that. It's kind of... God, a whole hour. You know, <laughs> you understand, I'm not going to meet God. It's just doing a religious activity. There's no faith in that. See, faith comes. I'm here because I want to be. I want to be in the presence of God. I want the atmosphere of God. I want God to speak to me. I'm here because I want to be in the presence of God. So notice here, it says, without faith, it's impossible. Impossible to please Him. Impossible. So he, he that, uh, notice here, he that comes to God must believe he exists and also that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So one, he exists. Two, he's a rewarder. And the key ingredient is my faith that shows up by diligently persisting in seeking him. So he's a rewarder. God blesses us. See, sometimes we look around and we say, how come they're blessed and I'm not so blessed? Well, maybe there's a reason. Maybe they diligently sought God and changed their beliefs. So you notice then, faith is foundational to the relationship with God. Let me just put it to you this way. Without faith or trust in God, you can't walk with him. You can't build any relationship without trust. You can't build a marriage without trust. You can't build a business relationship without trust. So without faith, without trust in God's character and words, I can't walk with him at all. If I'm going to argue with him and doubt what he says and reason what he says and continually take what he says and then put it through my mind and filter and I got my own opinions about what works, if I'm going to walk like that, I can't walk with God. It's as simple as that. Walking with God means I develop a relationship of trusting him because I continually am experiencing being loved. Now, this is the stumbling point for so many people is they have unresolved issues of the heart and they stop trusting or won't trust God. Now, when you won't trust God, this is what you've got to do. You have to take control of your own world and life and be God yourself. So we're made to bond to God who is a father, a loving father and a spirit being. We're, we're created to bond to him, to trust him, to have a relationship with him. And faith is what makes the connection. So by faith, we enter relationship with God. By faith, we maintain it. Now, let's just talk about entering relationship with God. How do you enter into a relationship with God? What is the key thing? In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Ephesians 2 and verse 8. The entrance into relationship with God has got nothing to do with where you've come from, what education you have, got nothing to do with your family background, got nothing to do with anything natural at all. It's actually like this. Verse, uh, uh, verse 4. God, who is rich in his mercy. Rich. Rich in mercy. Most people that think of God think he's angry and judging them. 
Oh, got a big stick. I'm going to catch you out. But the Bible says he's rich, wealthy, abundant in mercy. And look at this. And his great love, great, abundant, extravagant love. He absolutely loves you. It said so, it says, when we were dead in sin, he made us alive together in Christ by grace you're saved and raised us up together, made us to sit in together in heavenly places in Christ. Then the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness, kindness towards us. Notice these words, grace, mercy, kindness, love. That's what God is. So how do I enter a relationship with God? Very simply, by grace, by grace, Are you saved through faith? And even that's not of your own, not of works, lest you boast. Now, you know the verse. Tendency is to forget what it really means. Grace is an empowerment by God that changes our lives. It's something we don't work for or we don't earn. If you work for it, it isn't grace. It's your reward. If you didn't work for it and it's a gift, then it's grace. And grace is the power of God to shift you on the inside. You can't work for it, you can just receive it. So either you get given grace to change, or you're working hard to change. There can't be any in between. I either get God's power to help me change, and so I do change, and it's real change, and it's change on the inside, or I got none of that, I'm just working hard, trying to be a good person, overcome that temper. And you notice when you do that, you're under law. <laughs> See? So by grace you say through faith, not of works. So it's a gift. Anything you do to try and earn your standing with God. So this, let me show you how it shows up subtly in many people. Well, I had a bad day yesterday. I didn't pray. I feel distant from God. Or, well, I prayed today. I'm real, real near to God. Now, all of this is about your nearness to God is dependent on your works. He doesn't change at all. It does not depend on your works. Pray two hours today and 15 minutes tomorrow. doesn't make any difference to your standing with God. Your standing with God, your identity is given to you as a gift. When God puts, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is what happens. You become a new person. He puts a spirit into you. You are now joined to Jesus Christ. You're joined to the Spirit of God. You are joined to the Spirit of God. He doesn't break that joining. You are joined now to the Spirit of God. And so God's life, His own very life is engrafted into you. You're what's called born again. Now you are not what you used to be. You are a child, a son or daughter of God. Who am I? I'm a son of God. God is my Father. You see, this is who you are now. But the trouble is, if this is not established strongly in your life, you'll live out of who you used to be, a reject or fearful or afraid or ashamed or embarrassed or broke or whatever. See, this is the new identity, so I don't have to work to get that. I am now, by the grace of God, a child of God. Now i just got to learn how to live and walk with Him. And so faith got me started. Faith is how I continue. It's all going to be grace, not trying hard. The harder you try, the more condemned you'll feel about your condition. That's the terrible thing of it. The more, have you noticed that? The harder you try, the more difficult it gets. And how you get bogged down and, oh, just about, you want to quit and give up. Why? Because when you do that, you move away from grace and come under law. If I am right with God in any area of my life, 
by trying to work at it, I've shifted and I've come under law. Paul said, don't frustrate the grace of God. Don't cause God's grace, which is freely and generously given, to help you grow and live your life. Don't frustrate it and stop it by then trying to perform to be good and get it. Don't frustrate the grace of God by struggling hard at working to be a better person. Learn to believe what God says is true about you. The work, this, you said, this, is the work, this is the work of God that you believe. The problem is learning to believe. Why? Because immediately you try and believe what God says, the strongholds in your mind and heart rise up and argue. And they argue against and they reason against the life of God. So the Christian life is much easier than you think. It's about grace. I can see when I said that, that some of you don't agree. And the reason you're not agreeing is because you're looking at your experience and say, my experience is hard. Therefore, the Christian life can't be easy. Jesus said, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's easy. It's light. If it's getting heavy, you've moved out of grace. You've moved out of faith. You're trusting in yourself again. The moment it gets heavy, you're out of faith. You're struggling in your own efforts. See, Jesus said there's a rest of faith. So when faith is in your heart, you know what happens? You can actually tell when faith is in your heart. It's quite easy. There'll be two ways you'll tell. One is you come to rest. You just actually become at rest inside. You're not struggling, striving, uptight. You're at rest. You're quite confident and calm. There is a rest of faith. See? The second thing that happens is the way you talk. You talk out of that place of rest, out of the position of rest. Our struggle is not to try and do things or make God do anything. Our struggle is one of struggling to overcome unbelief, doubts, negative thinking, and just believe what God says is true and come to rest in that so there's no more struggling. And when you're resting on what God says, you're in a place of faith. Faith. It's not your feelings. Your feelings will come into it a bit. Okay, so we got there. So we walk with God by faith. So notice in just this last scripture we'll look at, Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5. That's what it says now. He's talking to the Galatians church, which started off believing and then got into trying doing. Stand fast in the liberty with Christ has made us free. Don't be entangled in the again in the yoke of bondage. In other words, don't go back under laws, regulations. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You must do this. You've got to dress like that. You've got to have this haircut. No, I can't have that haircut. You've got to behave like this, behave like that. You've got to go here, not there. All of that kind of stuff is a yoke of bondage. God wants us to grow like him and get to know him and to get to know his nature where we can love people without having them to be monkeys and perform for us. So notice what he says. He says here, for in Christ Jesus, so verse 4, you become estranged from Christ if you attempt to make yourselves right with God by the law, by doing things. If you try that way, you've fallen from grace. Now you notice, how many have had a situation like this where you had someone who really hurt you and you found it really difficult to forgive? And so now you struggle trying to be nice to that person. Why are you struggling trying to be nice to that person when actually you want to slap their face? Or worse even, why are you struggling to be nice? Because behind it all, you're thinking something like this. I'm a Christian. 
I've got to be nice. <laughs> and you know it deep in your heart, there is war and vengeance and murder. And when you're not trying to be nice, you're thinking of how you could pay them back and what you'd really like to say. What is all of that about? That's not the rest of faith. You've come under the law. I need to be nice. Why not stop coming under the law? You see, when you come under the law, the thing that happens is there's no power of God to help you. And it's real hard to love some of these people. It's really hard. Christian life is so hard. I've got to love people. I don't like them. Some I even hate them. Some have ripped me off. I know what I do is just subtly avoid them. I won't, I'll just cut them out. It's all a manifestation of hate. The problem's in the heart. You're not in the rest of faith. You just come under the law. You're struggling now trying to be a good person. Actually, the reality is this. You already are a loving person. Why not just admit the war in your heart and come and repent from that dead work of trying to love him, trying to manufacture the life of God? Instead, just repent of that dead work, surrender to the Lord, ask him, Lord, help me to see this person like you see them. Help me to love them. Let your love flow through me. And you begin to meditate on the love of God for yourself and for people. And very soon you start to find it's coming naturally rather than forced add-on. When it's an add-on, it doesn't last. Somehow you'll definitely blow it. You've tried so hard to be nice. Nine times you were nice. Oh, I'm nearly there. The tenth you blew it. And all the nine just didn't count for anything because the tenth you really blew it. And so you're back now to do what you need to do. Humble yourself, just repent and change. Notice so it says, don't get in the yoke of bondage. Learn to live a life out of the new identity. I am a loving person. I love people because that's who I am. You see, it's not because, well, they don't deserve it. Oh, come on, you got back under the law again. Grace has got nothing to do with whether you deserve it. Grace comes not because you deserve it, because it's free, because God is good. God loves you, so he wants you to love others. He can love people through you. So you notice there, faith works by love. See, so the life of faith is cultivated by spending time with God, beginning to experience his love, listening to hear his voice, because by hearing his voice, faith suddenly comes into your heart. It's cultivated by meditating in the word of God and allowing our mind and heart to be renewed. And when faith is there, there's works flow out that are very real. You don't have to try to love people. I've got to go out and love the sinners. That's what we have to do in this church. Love the sinners. Now, you can see a person in the grip of bitterness in the law. If you have to do it, it's not flowing naturally. You've got a love deficit in your heart. When you're full of love, it just flows out. Ever seen a drunk man when they're full of booze and they start to laugh? Hey, I love for everyone. You know, so, you know, love the world. You know, something changed. They were overflowing. When we get filled with the spirit of God, which is a spirit of love, it flows to touch the world. So foundation one to walk and repent of all of that legalistic, striving, struggling, dead, empty work. Repent of the motivations. Instead, start to turn to the Lord and allow his word to shift your heart so you begin to discover who you really are. You're a loving person. Why? Because you're in the image of Christ. You're a forgiving person. Why? Because you're in the image of Christ. You're a generous person. Why? Because you're made in the image of Christ. You already have those things in you. They just need to flow. 
not try to make them happen. They're already there. That's who you are. And when we start to live a life like that, we become at rest inside. That's actually who I really am. I love being generous. I just love it. It's who I am. Can sense out of the identity. I love being gracious. Why? Because who I am. It's what my father is like. I'm like him. See, I love forgiving. Why? Because my father's forgiven me, and, I, and I'm so grateful. I just love to forgive. And I want people under the law. Can you understand the life of faith? It's a life where grace flows out and touches people. What a great life. And we close our eyes right now. Father in heaven, what a loving father you are. I feel overwhelmed by the wonderful love that you have. I thank you for that love. Just quietly, whether in the auditorium here or whether you're watching on television, why don't you just close your eyes for just a moment or two. Presence of God is here. The presence of God is also where you are right now. God is a loving Father. He really does love you. And He wants you just to turn away from trying hard in life and trying hard to be a good person and to believe. To believe what? To believe God loves you so much. He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, who gave His life on the cross so all the sin could be broken and its power broken, every curse taken away, so you could be ushered into the family of God and become a child of God just by believing in Jesus Christ. Maybe some here today and perhaps you are struggling in your life, struggling with all kinds of issues. What a great day to say, I'm going to repent of those things and begin to open my heart to my Father that loves me. Whether you're watching here or watching on the TV, I'd like you just to follow me in this prayer. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. Lord, I've struggled so hard to make my life work. I turn away from those struggles. I turn away from sin. I turn away from a life without you. Jesus, I receive you. As my Savior today, please forgive my sin. Forgive all my struggles to try and look good. Lord, forgive me. I give you my life today. I receive forgiveness. I receive your Spirit into my heart. I belong to you. Before heaven and earth today, I declare... Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. Amen. And Father, I just thank you for each person that prayed that prayer for the first time. Let the Spirit and love of God just flow into their heart. God loves you so much. More than you realize, you have so much to discover about this God who wants to make himself known to you. Just here in the congregation, perhaps today, there's ones who are struggling You've lived under legalism, under the law, and you've wrestled with that. Today would be a great day.
for that yoke. Paul calls it a yoke, a yoke of duty, a yoke of having to, a yoke of lots of little things you have to do to be good enough to be acceptable. God wants you free of all of that. I'd love you today, if you've been struggling under that kind of yoke, I'd love you just to come forward. We want to lay hands on you and I want you just to let go the struggling, repent of the trying and the efforts and open your heart for God to reveal his love to you. As people lay hands on you, I know you're going to experience something of the love of God. It's a terrible thing, trying hard. Trying hard to be good enough. I did that for many years growing up. Lacking a revelation of love, I struggled feeling I was never good enough. Struggled so hard to be good enough. Did so many things in order to get acceptance. What I needed was a revelation of God's love. It comes by faith after you stop and repent of your dead works. I wonder today if there's people struggling and you're caught in the bondage of legalism, of works, heaviness, oppression. Why don't you just make your way to the front right now? Let someone come and stand with you and pray with you. Just come. Come now. Come now. Come now. Some people here who are struggling with oppression over your life. Some are struggling with failure and the fear of failure. There's other ones struggling here with the fear you'll be rejected. Some of you have come. There's about three people come today. And... Uh, You've had real troubles in your life with God, real troubles in your walk with God, and your biggest fear is whether you'll be accepted because of the things you've done. God loves you. He wants to help you today. Why don't you just come? Just come right now. There's others need to come too. Others need to come. Please come. The presence of God is here. You know, the problem with the law is you have to keep the whole lot of it. Jesus came to set us free of the law of obligations and duties and have to do this and have to do that. He wanted us to come into a relationship of love and grace. Wonderful grace of God that frees us up to be ourselves. How good to be yourself in Christ. I come up with a religious background, a Catholic background. It took me quite a bit of time to realize I'd brought with it a lot of the baggage into my Christian life. I just needed to let it all go. I needed to let go striving, struggling to be good enough, struggling to meet God's needs, struggling to get my sins forgiven, all of that kind of stuff. And just, God, I thank you. I already have it. I am blessed with every blessing in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. I have forgiveness. I have redemption. I have acceptance. I have it now. That's what I have, being a child of God. So now I'm going to meditate in it and dwell in it. 